Hi friends, welcome to the Adventuring Solo podcast where Yvonne and I talk about the adventures of living life as a single. We both had a significant season of singleness as young adults, which has given both of us a passion for highlighting the amazing things about living solo. We also aim to provide resources and topics that pertain to all areas of singleness. So join us today as we talk about all things pertaining to solo living. With us today, Yvonne, we have your husband, Scott. So exciting. He's going to talk all about the Enneagram and relationships and specifically twos on the Enneagram. So fill us in, Yvonne. What have we got? Yes. So for those of you who do not know what the Enneagram is, it is a personality profile and I learned about it when I was actually working with Angie at our the college that we met at when we were working together on staff. And when Scott and I started dating, um, he was really interested in personality profiles. And so I shared with him about the Enneagram. And when I shared with him about his what I thought his number at the time was, he was like, Oh, wow. That is me (laughs) to the T. And it it blew him away so much that he actually started studying it more than I had. And he has gotten deeper into it and has learned so much um, through studying from one of our favorite teachers, Suzanne Stabile, who has written three books, I think now. Is that correct, Scotty? That's right. Yeah. Okay. And, um, So she just came out with her third book recently, and Scott has had the great opportunity to um, not only do her boot camps with her, which I've gotten to do, but he also got accepted into her cohort program and just finished that. So listeners, the reason that we decided to do a feature on the Enneagram is because when Scott and I started dating, it was really helpful for us to be able to learn how to communicate with one another and to understand each other better um, because of how in-depth and detailed this personality profile is. And so we just really felt like this could be a great bonus feature for the future for all of you listeners who are interested in this kind of thing and are, are interested in learning more about yourself, but also any potential um, significant other you may meet in the future. And it doesn't just help in dating relationships. It has been super helpful in friendships and in work relationships, um, family relationships. It has been incredible for us and our lives. And so we really want to share that resource with you and, um, I mean, I know I'm biased because he's my husband, but Scott is really very intelligent and he has learned a ton about this. And so I'm excited for him to share um, the things that he's learned. And so with the Enneagram, there are nine personalities that it talks about. And we decided to start with the Enneagram personality number two, and it's all based upon numbers. And so we're starting with the two because it is part of the heart triad, which he'll explain a little more, but also because 
Angie and I are both twos, which is really interesting. So I'm going to hand over the show to Scott, and I'm going to let him explain a little more about the Enneagram to all of you listeners. Welcome, Scott. Thanks, you guys. (laughs) It is so fun to get to join y'all. And uh, and yeah, we love talking about the Enneagram in that it really teaches us so much about how we're wired and the lenses which uh, we look at life through. Um, yeah. And particularly tonight, talking through the uh, the two personality is very, uh, it's so helpful. There are going to be some of you guys listening that are twos. There are going to be some of you who are very close with a two, perhaps even in a relationship with one. And so uh, you can just be listening for some of these ways that twos tend to behave and act uh, and Yvonne, that was a great uh, intro to just the entire system of the Enneagram. One thing we have to remember is that uh, this really tells us about who we are on the inside and really some of the core motivations that drive us. It's a little bit less about behavior, and that's why sometimes people will take a test and measure as something that doesn't really fit them because um, if we're all judging you know, what personality I am by the way that I act as opposed to how I feel on the inside and what really drives and motivates that behavior, we have the risk of getting it wrong. So I'm just going to share a good amount about how twos tend to operate and think and see the world. And if that's you, you may start to resonate with some of that. Um, Every one of these numbers uh, tends to do some things really, really well. And just like all of us, there's that other side too of ways that we can sometimes misbehave or get caught up in uh, thinking poorly about th- ourselves or others. Um, yeah. The Enneagram system actually makes it so that we can recognize ourselves a little bit more easily through misbehavior at times, not just the ways that we get it right, but sometimes how we get it wrong. I think it's easier for all of us to sometimes see more of ourselves there. So uh, I don't want anyone to think that we're just harping on negative aspects. Every personality has so many gifts um, that you offer to the world. And we'll definitely get into many of those as we, as we converse as well. So, uh, yeah, as Yvonne said, we've got a couple of twos tonight. We've got Yvonne herself and Angie, which is pretty unique. Um, they are not the same person, but a lot of these tendencies will show up in each of them. So that said, let's talk about twos and you guys as the pros can really fill us in on how you see these things show up in your lives. So, yeah. One way to really launch into the two personality would be with its its primary sin or passion, Um, really the way that uh, twos can, uh, you know, some systems have like the, the seven deadly sins. You can almost look at it like that with a primary struggle that we tend to struggle yeah. with. And for twos, that passion, uh, using just that old term, that old understanding of a passion, something that we struggle with, is pride. Now, sometimes when we hear the word pride, we think of just being about yourself all the time, just being a total egomaniac. That's not primarily the twos issue or passion or sin. Pride in a two tends to be an inability or an unwillingness to acknowledge their own needs 
or their own sufferings while choosing to attend to the needs of somebody else. It's almost a, not quite a self-deprecation, but a self-denial in a way of taking care of others' needs that ends up still pointing back to themselves in a prideful way. So yes. not all twos you would just identify as, oh my, she she or he is just such a prideful person. But it's right. kind of lingering under the surface there. Another thing about every one of these personalities is they have a primary need. So for a two, their primary need is to be needed, interestingly enough. Twos crave and desire and need to feel needed by others. So that shows up yeah. with wanting time or wanting attention or love from others and believing kind of under the surface that if I'm not needed, then I'm not wanted and then I'm yeah. not desired. So Eves and Angie, does that show up for you guys? Like that kind of core need to be needed by others and that belief that if you aren't needed, then maybe you're not wanted or valued or desired? Understanding that like, I'm willing to punt taking care of myself because I want to be important in someone else's life. But how many times have I gotten so thin, you know, in my ability to like be able to do it all. And then I just like crash and burn and like, I'm totally upset at everyone and kind of throw that pity party. Like you said, Scott, of like, does anybody see me? I'm sorry. I've been doing so many things for everyone else. And like, who's taking care of me? And it, like that realization it, when I was single, like really hit hard. And then I never really resolved that. And then getting into marriage, it's like, I just carried that all over with me. And then I'm like, um, excuse me, like someone needs to, you know, like take care of me. And so I think Scott, that's really interesting. Cause when you say pride, I'm like, no, I'm not <laughs> proud, but, but like I'm enabled to take care of myself and I'd much rather people please and be needed and loved because then I'm important and then I'm valued. Exactly. And, yeah. You know, uh, showing up for other people's needs and taking care of needs is not limited to, uh, when you are a spouse, when you have a husband yeah. or when you're a parent and have kids that yeah. this can exist well before. Uh, and, and I know Eve's and, and, Angie and even myself, like in our single years, we can still struggle with uh, wanting to overly take care of the needs of people around us. With totally. twos, it's it's like a superpower though. And so it's almost like twos are psychic in their attentiveness to other yeah. people's pains or needs. Mm -hmm. And twos are always just super responsive to that. So uh, a lot of twos find that there's just this tendency for people that they know and even strangers to open up to them and tell them stuff, almost like they have a neon sign on their forehead saying like, help here, I can help you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yvonne and I have a really good friend that was just talking about this the other day that everywhere she goes, people just open up and tell their life stories to her. And she's like, what the heck? Why does, why do I just bring this out of people? And, and surprise, surprise, yeah. she's a two as well. Yeah. Now when twos are taking care of needs and giving that giving can range all the way from one extreme where it's very altruistic and it's very healthy and it's uh, just selfless and others oriented 
all the way to the other extreme where it can border on manipulative at times or controlling or an attempt to charm people. So twos really have to be aware of, am I giving from a place of health or am I giving in a way to produce and get a certain outcome? Um, totally. and, and generally twos also really have to watch out because, uh, you guys can just give and give and give not knowing sometimes how or when to stop. And then you will do it to the point of hitting a wall of exhaustion yeah. or you've built up resentment. Uh, and it stems from sometimes not being the most amazing with boundaries. Uh, that's not to say that twos have no boundaries, but uh, other personalities really more intuitively and naturally put down boundaries. And a lot of times twos uh, can go right past them or have weak boundaries for themselves. Um, Yvonne, I feel like you've told me about how some of that showed up for you uh, when you dated way before we knew each other, right? Yes. Yeah, I there was one point where my my dad like called me out. I I think I was in my mid 20s at that point or maybe later 20s and he was like, "Why do you keep choosing these men who need to be fixed and taken care of?" And I was like, "What?" <laughs> yeah. But now that I have learned from the Enneagram, like I really can look back and see how without realizing it, like I was like without meaning to finding these men who had major brokenness and were not like getting to a healthy place on their own. And I was like becoming kind of like a counselor mm -hmm. for them without realizing it. So yeah. that was a tendency for me and a, a blind spot big time in my dating life um, that was leading me down some really like rough uh, relationship tendencies. Yeah. Um, I don't know. How was that for you, Angie? Did you have any, like, do you see anything like that in your past? Not a lot in my dating. I didn't date a whole ton, but like I, feel like um, I really struggled just wanting to feel wanted and loved like in my like just friendships and just people in general. Yeah. I was the classic, Scotty, you'll love this. I was the classic best friend to guys. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, they would like hang out and do things with me and call me and I was always there. I was always there. And then they would like, oh, by the way, I, I really like your best friend you know, or, oh, by the way, I really like so-and-so. And then I was crushed. But, like, I had been, like, serving them and taking care of them and, like, you know, doing, you know, that, yep. doing all those things in hopes that they would need me. Were you hoping in that that they would develop romantic feelings for you? Yeah, and I think subconsciously, yeah, I think subconsciously it was just they were giving me attention and it was that one-on-one -on -one attention and call. You know what I mean? It was just that kind of stuff that you just don't realize, you know, like, and, at, and I ended up getting hurt a lot because I would just like, oh, like, I, you never DTR'd and we never, like, I, I've been thinking that you've been liking me this whole time. And I, I thought you would eventually realize you needed me. And then they moved on. And then, then that kind of built this complex of like, people don't need me and they don't want me. Like I'll mm. never be loved. And just yeah. like really subconsciously, like kind of 
playing that out for myself. You know what I mean? Like hiding, like, so that I won't, you know, I won't get my feelings hurt. Like, oh yeah, I don't like a guy. No, no, no. I don't like him. Do you know what I mean? Like, don't like, don't go there, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So all of this is not to say that, that twos are just altogether unhealthy or immature with boundaries, but it is generally a really good practice if you are a two to just work on learning more about boundaries and practice them more. Uh, just figuring out where do I end, where does that other person begin and not overlapping that when it's inappropriate or unnecessary because it can just get blended together and it can get really messy and the two can find their feelings hurt. Also, when a two is, is serving someone else or meeting needs and taking care because there's not a clear boundary, a lot of times that two can end up burning out and struggling with feeling like they can never do enough there. Yeah. In particular, if they have a one wing, which is a little further in, in theory, all these yeah. uh, personality types in the Enneagram have an adjacent number uh, on either side of that number that they pick up some behaviors from. So we'll talk ones eventually, but if that two takes on some one energy, then they'll feel like they're not doing enough and they're not doing it well enough. And there's a lot yeah. of criticism for themselves there. So yes. um, twos, we want you to be who you are and and you're so good at meeting needs, but you got to make sure that there's some lines that you draw in the sand so that you don't do it to your own detriment. So Angie, you talking about like you're being friend zoned. I can think of several relationships where I did that as well. And I don't know Mm. if you would relate to this, but going along with how the two can so easily get caught up in their identity being taking care of other people, especially when I was in college or like early 20s when I'm still trying to figure out who am I, what is my identity, Um, that period of time, it was so easy for me to without realizing it like to function in I'm going to take care of these people so that they love me and when it comes to your desire to get married and like wanting to be in a relationship so bad like unhealthy twos be aware that you are not taking care of yourself when you are performing you've got to ask yourself that like Are you trying to pursue a friendship with a male um, for the reason to for them to love you, to win them over? And if you are, you are sabotaging yourself and your identity. And you need just like Scott was just saying, like you are wanted, you are loved. You want to be with someone who sees you and loves you for who you are, not for what you do. And not for how you are taking care of them. So let's talk about something really awesome about twos, something beautiful that twos bring to the table. Um, And Yvonne, you mentioned earlier that uh, we have these triads in the Enneagram. So there's three different personality types in a row that fit into one of the three big centers of intelligence. So um, three numbers tend to be really all about the heart and feelings and Uh, take in information and process the world through their feelings. Uh, Three of the numbers are what we call the head triad, and they tend to take in information through thinking and what they think about things, and they process logically in their heads a whole lot. And then the other three numbers 
are what we call the gut triad, and they tend to process the world and everything around them through what do I do and what needs to be done here. Um, and so they're responding things through more like gut instincts. Um, and since the twos are the beginning of the heart triad, we're really talking about those people that are oriented towards feelings. In fact, twos are, and, and this is true with threes and fours, the full heart triad, but in particular, twos are so good at reading a room, reading other people's moods and emotions, reading sort of that, that feeling tone of a space. It, mm-hmm. it functions like a superpower as well, that other people of other personalities are like, how did you pick that up? And twos yeah. just can very naturally absorb feelings around them. And then this also happens one-on-one. Twos very strongly absorb other individuals' feelings. They're like the, the uber empaths. So if we think of empathy being like feeling what someone else is feeling, twos operate in that most of the time. In fact, twos are feeling other people's feelings often more than their own. And that can get confusing for a two because they think they're feeling something and it's actually the emotions of someone else uh, that they're that they're talking with or other people in the room. Um, so Yvonne, I know in our in our household, I see this regularly. If I bring a mood, if I bring a strong emotion or a feeling, sometimes that can be very quickly contagious to you. Um, I think you pick up on our boys' feelings. So so tell me more about that. Like, how do you pick up on our feelings? Like, how does that feel to you? Twos are so focused on the other person. Like, I'm always thinking about others all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, I I process through relationships. Like, I make decisions based upon the relationships of the people I love, like, without really realizing it. Um, and so when you come home, my thoughts are immediately directed towards – how was his day? What's what's going on in his brain? Like I'm immediately can pick up on facial expressions on like the way that you are walk walking in is his body language speaking to me. Like it's not even, I don't know. I just know, I just know yeah. what you're feeling and I'm not even paying attention to myself. I'm just immediately worried or just concerned about whatever the person who's with me is thinking and feeling. Do you feel responsible for his emotions? Oh, yeah. Yes. And it's not just like, if I'm stressed, you care about it. It's like, if I'm stressed, you're stressed. And all of a sudden, your stress level is matching and meeting mine. And that's not fair. That's not fair for me to, to put onto you. But some of that just happens so naturally by you absorbing the feelings of someone else, which is me in that case. Angie, yeah. I assume it's similar for you? Yeah, I've had to do a lot of work on letting other people have their own emotions and it not being my fault or something that I need to fix. I mean, lots and lots of coaching on that in the last few years. It's been such a difference in my relationships and friendships and marriage and you know, even with my kids just to let them have negative emotion. And I don't, I don't have to, as you said, Yvonne, like consume it, like let it affect me. I'm work, I've been working really hard on just like 
yes, I want to take this on, but like, it doesn't, I don't have to take this on. Like it isn't about me. And like you said, Yvonne, like we're so focused on others, but then we make it about ourselves because we're like, okay, what do we need to do? How do we need, like, I don't want them to be a negative emotion because I, I don't love being a negative emotion. So I don't want others to be a negative emotion, but I'm really learning that negative emotions are such a gift and that like, if I can be in a space with someone else and let them have negative emotions and love them and not have to fix it, I'm like letting them be humans, like me a human with them and like just letting it happen. Yeah. It's interesting because it makes me think about the term emotional contagion. (laughs) Yeah. And it really, I think that for a long time, probably up until I'm was coached by you, Angie, yeah. I kind of thought, not like had a serious thought about it, but like yeah. I kind of functioned in emotions are contagious and like someone yes. can bring their mood into my life and like if yes. he's in a bad mood, I'm going to be in a bad mood. Like yeah. that's just I have to be in a bad was. mood. Yeah. Like I was totally. like, ah, he's making me feel this. Yes. He's making yes. me feel this. Yes. Yep. But like when you, when I started to meet with you, I started yeah. to realize like, oh, that's a lie. Like yeah. you are talking about that. Yeah. My emotions are mine. Their emotions yeah. are theirs. Um, so yeah. And it's not all on the two. I'm not, I don't want yeah. this to sound like um, it's always the two's fault. If some difficult feelings occur in a relationship I mean, there's yeah. definitely times where, and, and I'm not a two, but I have to learn to control things so that I don't um, end up with my emotions going osmosis like right into Yvonne. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there's work on both sides of this for all of us. But yeah. but typically, most twos are going to struggle to really pin down exactly what and specifically what they're feeling and what mm-hmm. they're wanting and what they're needing in the moment. You yeah. find that a lot of people could ask a two, hey, what are you feeling right now? And they might say, yeah. I- I'm not sure, but they could yeah. tell you what the other person's feeling easily. Or you could yeah. ask a two, what do you want right now? And they're yeah. going to struggle to figure that out, but they could tell you what they think would be best for the other person. Totally. So a lot of times twos just end up verbalizing what they're picking up from other people. And so if you're a two, your responsibility and the work that you have to do is to figure out when you are moving towards somebody, and I don't just mean physically, but yes, physically or emotionally, when you're moving towards somebody, I want you to try asking yourself, let me give you three questions to really process through. If you're moving towards somebody, first off, why am I doing this? In other words, like, why am I extending myself towards this person or, or what's my agenda, if anything, as I move towards them? That's the first thing you want to ask. Second, you want to ask is what, if anything, am I expecting to get in return? And I want you to think like multiple pass throughs with that. Cause yeah. initially you're going to say, Oh, I don't want anything in return. I'm, right. I'm just right. making them coffee just because like it's the, it's yeah. the nice thing to do here and they need it. But if you think through it a second and a third time through, you might start to realize, well, I am making this, but I'm going to, I'm going to come calling for that later in the day when I want a favor. And so I'm doing this in order to almost deserve a favor later, or mm-hmm. it's not a free thing that I'm doing. So first, why am I doing what I'm doing? Second, what do I expect to get in return? And then third, you need to ask, does that person even want my help? 
And the teacher, Yvonne, was talking earlier, Suzanne Stabile, her, one of her best quotes, she says, particularly for twos, but it's really good for all of us. I practice it all the time, is to ask, is this mine to do? So mm-hmm. as you're looking at someone's need or you're seeing their feeling and you're moving towards it to take care of it, you have to end with that third question. Is it mine to take care of this or is that theirs to do? Because sometimes you twos, when you start to step into a situation and meet the need or take care of the feeling, you might actually end up depriving that person the journey of working through that themselves or another way that God has to meet that need or to do a work in their heart. And sometimes you twos have the ability to uh, truncate that process because you just so naturally move right in there. And it's a beautiful thing, but you've got to, again, work on that boundary of figuring out why am I doing this? What do I expect to get in return? And is this the thing that God is putting in front of me to do in this moment? Totally. I love those questions. So let me move on a little bit more. Um, most twos are dealing with an inner motivation, which again is, is behind a lot of these behaviors, but the motivation for a lot of twos is to be thought of well. Um, again, that's why not all giving and not all need meeting is completely altruistic because behind some of it, a two really wants to be thought of well or wants to look good to people. Uh, and so a lot of times twos will go along with other people's needs um, and just say, oh no, whatever you want here, because they're hoping that it'll it'll reflect well on them or they'll be thought of positively and they end up adapting themselves to other people, which in its worst moments, when it's really not great, it can lead to the two thinking kind of a woe is me pattern of thought. Um, we could call that martyring. Sometimes it will come up later like, I sacrificed this for you. I did this for you. I didn't do what I wanted to do in the moment. And it has very much that feeling of like, I'm a martyr here. And now I deserve all that comeuppance, right? You guys resonate with that? (laughs) No, not at all. That's the other thing is that I felt like when I didn't know this, Scott, I would just, I would track that like about every six weeks I would lose, I would lose it. Like I would, I would get really hurt and I would get really frustrated. And it was like, I could only serve people and love people and give so much. And then after six weeks or so, I I was almost like a a meltdown. I mean, I remember being in the dorm and like, I could like, you know, literally look at each week and I'm like, and this is where I'm going to lose it, you know? And like, it would just happen because all of a sudden I would have, I've, I've hit the end of my ability to give and I'm wanting to feel a certain way, Scott, yep. and I'm not feeling appreciated and I'm not feeling loved and I'm not feeling wanted and I'm feeling overlooked and I feel undervalued. And so mm. from like relationships to like, you know, other things and it's just like, boom. And I, you know, I mean, it's kind of a joke, but you know, it was, it was like a constant thing. So if you're a two or you're with a two dating a two in a relationship with a two, you know, this is, this may be what's going on, but I didn't know. But like, now that I know this information, I'm like, I can see what was going on. Yes. Mm -hmm. And you can catch that and stop that cycle before you absolutely hit empty and then meltdown may occur. (laughs) Totally. Well, and like yeah. you said, Scott, I think what's really key here is like using the word boundaries. I think 
uh, a really good book. I'm probably Yvonne, you and I, you and I have both read, but is by Henry, Dr. Henry Cloud and, and Townsend. Townsend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is about boundaries. And I'm sure, um, but really understanding that boundaries are put in place so that you can stay mentally stable. I'm I mean, like, I, that may not be a good way to put it, but essentially it's so it keeps you like clean so that you're not like taking on all this stuff and you're, you're able to show up in relationships in a way that are healthy and, and can last, you know what I mean? And so I didn't realize that I wasn't able to put up some healthy boundaries and then I would blame others, but really it was my inability to say no, my inability to ask someone, you know, for something that was actually creating these meltdowns for me because I wasn't meeting my own needs. I wasn't getting those taken care of. And, um, yeah, it showed up in, in a lot of different ways. Yeah. So true. Twos are, you bring so much good to the table and you just have to, you have to watch uh, some of that giving because that's when it can go wrong is when it just goes overboard. But in the midst Mm -hmm. of that, it's coming from a good place and um, you're accomplishing such good things in the midst of that. You know, twos can be very self-sacrificing in personal relationships and you know, we know that's, that's the kind of calling that we have in life is to Mm -hmm. put ourselves not first and to take care of others before ourselves and to think of others more than ourselves. So in that way, twos are, are the example here. It's, it's a wonderful thing until it just goes so far that it's not right. Right. So totally. Um, and then what, what goes along with this is just, just the nature of so many twos. They just become, or in our lives, in the rest of our lives, you twos are just warm people. You mm-hmm. can sometimes be very tactile. Uh, they can be touchy people, just uh, loving hugs and loving affection and cuddling. Twos are quick to move towards people. They don't want to spend a lot of time isolating themselves from others or being alone. That's not a two's happy spot naturally or instinctively. Um, But actually twos mostly need help from others to build really a separate life and a separate identity for themselves. Uh, Twos need their own identity so that everywhere they go, they don't end up just being an extension of the other people around them. Mm. It's very easy for twos to think of themselves as I'm so-and-so's assistant, or I'm so-and-so's best friend, Mm -hmm. or I'm so-and-so's mom, or so-and-so's husband. Uh, And twos really need that, that separate internal space for themselves. And sometimes the best thing for a two is to have that space to be alone. That's when the best growth can happen Mm. in your own heart and spirit and soul is when the needs of other people are nowhere near you. So that's so true. I've just realized this in the last few years. And Yvonne, I don't know if we've talked about this, but like, I'm really learning how to have my own like like space. Like I'm learning how to play the piano. I'm taking walks by myself and I'm not listening to a podcast and trying to think about someone else. I'm literally just like I'm going for a walk or I'm sitting out in nature with nothing, you know, just to sit. And like Scott, I n- I've never heard it said that way so well of just like I I always relate myself to someone or something or an extension. And that really hit the nail on the head of like, 
I have a really hard time explaining who I am. You know, like what makes, I mean, I can tell you what makes me tick, but just what I'm doing and what, like, yeah, it's so interesting. Yvonne, I don't know if you are finding that too. Yeah, for me, similarly, like I'm a big journaler and that's where I really find myself is through writing um, because – yeah, it, it causes me to sit quietly and I ask myself a lot of questions yeah. and I talk to God a lot through my writing and that is where I really like figure out like, what do I think about things? Yes. Um. Yeah. So yeah, that's a really important thing for I think to use is to get that alone time in whatever way that may be, like whether it's yeah. nature or sitting with a journal open or whatever, yeah. but And I don't know. Yeah. And I don't know, like when I was single, I was afraid of being alone. Like I just Mm -hmm. had a really hard time being alone. So I would be, I would be so busy. And so I highly encourage listeners who, if you're like me and you were just so busy that you didn't ever take time to get to know yourself, like really like investing some time in that either journaling or asking yourself questions or, you know, just really kind of investigating what you do think about things. I think it's really important. Yeah, I think too, um, when Scott was talking about how twos can easily um, like take their relationships almost like an extension of their self. Is that Mm -hmm. how you put it, I think? Mm -hmm. Um, It made me think about how um, when I was in college, I was in a relationship where I really lost my identity. Um, and, And honestly, like... I didn't really even know who I was yet when he and I first started dating. I mean, I was just a freshman in college. And so for anyone who's listening that like is in that age range and you are still trying to figure out what you believe about things, what your passion is, like who you are, like what makes you tick. If you don't know those things, like especially if you're a two, that's a really dangerous thing to start getting into a serious relationship because Mm. you are very quickly going to get yourself wrapped up into becoming what they want you to be or what you think they want you to be. I'll say it like that because the other person may not intend you to change for them, but man, twos are so good at loving others. It's really hard for someone to turn it down. Like that Mm -hmm. was something else I thought about. Like when you were talking about, the guy friends of yours. Like, I can't tell you, I don't know if you felt this way, but you may have felt led on by some of those friends. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yes. And I think that part of that is because like, it wasn't a defined relationship, but man, it's really hard for someone to turn a two down, loving them to the self-sacrificing way that we would. Yeah. Why would they do that? Totally. Totally. and then it almost pushes you to a place of where you are having to push the defining yes. the relationship talk. Yes. And then it's yes. this hugely uncomfortable thing. Yes. And I like I look back and I'm like, man, like some of the relationships I was in, I was loving to the degree that like a married woman would love. Yeah. And like yeah. it's like I wasn't married. What was I right. doing? You right. know what I mean? Yes. Um so That kind of led me to a question that I would like to ask you to, 
especially as a two, when we are so good at loving self-sacrificially, that's even more confusing as a Christian when Jesus calls us to love Mm -hmm. self-sacrificially. And that can get really confusing. Why would that be bad? Question mark. Yeah. Well, I think uh, a lot of it is exploring the motives behind that. Because you're right, we can all give altruistically and deny ourselves and take care of others and serve others. But we're sometimes aware, or maybe we're not aware yet because we haven't taken the time to really study our hearts, but we can become aware that there's some expectation behind that and that we're doing it for a reason or for a purpose that points back to ourselves. But then there's certainly other times that we are following the leading of the Holy Spirit and we are serving uh, just as Christ did, following the example that he gives us of taking up our cross and denying ourselves on a daily basis. And that level of serving others and caring for others, there's no me involved in that. There's no, what mm-hmm. will I get out of this? What will they think of me afterwards? What's my image going to look like? Will they show up for me later in a tit for tat kind of thing? There's none of that involved when we're truly serving, uh, following Christ's example. Yeah. I feel like, too, like you said, Scott, like you don't know what is driving the bus. I like to say you don't know what emotion is like at the driver's seat. And so you might be thinking you're taking your action out of a selfless love. You know what I mean? But it's typically for me, you guys, I don't realize that like I'm not believing I'm 100% lovable, worthy, valuable, and I'm not giving myself the love that I I'm like really kind of wanting or needing in in that moment. And so I'm going externally to try to get that by doing something for someone else or being, Mm -hmm. you know, like saving the day because Angie comes in and she'll help and she'll always say yes. And, you know, she'll get the job done and we can count on her. And like you said, like, I'm, I'm good. Right. But like at the end of the day, like I'm not knowing that the reason I'm subconsciously doing that is because I do like, I do want that like pat on the back or I do want that at a girl. And yet you guys, like a lot of times when you're so good at that, people just expect that and they don't say at a girl or whatever. They're just, it becomes the expectation. And so, but at the same time, like you, you are so self-sacrificing. You stop asking yourself, like, what, like you said, Scott, why am I doing this? What am I expecting? And, and often it wasn't until I wasn't getting something that I'm like, whoa, I guess I'm expecting them to like me or want me back or need me or show me they love me. And so there was a lot of that in dating and even in early in our marriage that I was realizing, like I was doing all these things in hopes that he would love me and show me that he loved me and say, I love you and that he would need me. And I mean, I had to work through a lot of like, what if he doesn't love me? And like, why am I doing this? If he, you know what I mean? Like just really helping myself realize that like, I am a hundred percent lovable, valuable, you know, and worthy, not because of what I do and not because of what other people think about me. Like, it's just who God has made me to be. And that has been life-changing for me as a two 
because I'm not doing, I'm not, my bus is not being driven by the need for love or being wanted or desired. And that has really opened up for me that like, I'm just, it's really, it it has become easier to say no. And it has become easier to say yes and go all in on my yes, because I know why I'm doing it now. Because it's coming from a place of love, not to get love. Yes. That's so good, Angie. I like that bus illustration. What's driving this? Is it, is it my desires? Is it my needs? Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. so good. I think just with what we were saying with, you know, thinking of Yvonne, your, your picture of losing yourself in the college relationship you had, and just that tendency that a lot of twos have to so readily and easily adapt to other people and lose themselves in other people. It's really good if you're a two uh, and you want to do some work, some just self work on this and and talking to God about this and working on uh, improving some of these things, you should practice asking yourself, who am I when I'm all alone, all by myself and not with any other person, when it's just yeah. me and God, who am I then? What is my yeah. identity and who has he created me with nobody else included, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And again, as I said earlier, you've got to practice figuring out what is yours to do in those individual moments. And if it's not, then back away. Yeah, You've got to ask, what is this thing? If I can't do it and no one else can or will, how essential is it for me to get involved here and to act and to respond to this thing I'm seeing? Well, friends, I hope you're enjoying our conversation on Enneagram 2 so far. Join us on the next episode for part two, where we will discuss the common fears, blind spots, and tendencies of twos, specifically in dating relationships. If you are enjoying this conversation, please share it with your friends and family, especially anyone you know who are Enneagram junkies like we are. Keep on the lookout for more Enneagram bonus episodes in the future as we cover the other numbers. Also, let us know what you think about our content by messaging us on our Instagram and Facebook pages or through our website, adventuringsolo.com.